Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Monday, March 27th, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my neighbor Max. How's it going, my friend? Doing well. Back from a four or five day break in Toronto. Um, not a whole ton of sports over those days, but nice refresher. Visit the family. How are you doing? Not too bad. Thank you. Nice refreshing weekend. Uh, ready to look ahead to the end of March as it comes to a close. Feels like we just said that March was starting. We were so pumped up for March Madness, for the stretch run of all these sports. And now we are really down to the wire here with April 1st uh, hitting us, what, on Saturday? And just like that, March has flown by. It's really shocked me. Uh, I'm not ready for March to be over, but... On the bright side, we got playoff sports coming up, and we got uh, spring weather on the horizon. It was nine degrees Celsius and sunny here yesterday in London. Um, a little chilly at times in the shade, but overall, really happy with the weather. And I'm I'm ready to get outside. I'm ready to breathe fresh air and see the sun again. Yeah, well, more blue skies in the last two weeks than I can remember from all of December, January, February put together which has been nice and yeah i i'm still very much enjoying mid-sized chunks of the playoff race as they go on in various forms which is what the majority of this podcast will be it starts before sports uh i feel like as the segment involves it's turning into like somewhere in a triangle between I don't know if you ever saw that Family Guy bit, like what grinds my gears, where Peter had over like two or three episodes had a part on the news just being the everyman, going on rants about pet peeves. Uh, that like anti-woke clickbait and like just horrible, like very left, anti-corporate, anti-globalist, anti-corporation uh, rants. And it sort of bounces in between those three. Uh, I'm doing my best not to go Peter Griffin, but this week, like, there is something that does grind my gears really like nothing else. Oh, do you remember the good old iPod days? The iPod Nano? Absolutely. The iPod Touch and listening to music through iTunes? It didn't get much better than that, my friend. Even the iPod Shuffle. Fuck, I miss the iPod Shuffle. Uh, instead, we listen to all our music on Spotify, where we don't actually own it, depending on the band's licensing. It could go away as, um, shit, maybe this is going back into the anti-corporate leftist, leftist vein. I'll take it, though. Um, instead, a corporation continually pushes the envelope on AI and algorithms to find out the exact way to keep listeners locked in for as long as they can and slowly and subtly does their best to influence them away from choosing the music they listen to. And if that doesn't fucking grind my gears, Owen. So what I really miss about iTunes is how quickly is the navigation. Like I had the ways, maybe it's just because we grew up on it. And if you are a different age than us and you had CDs or vinyl, or you went straight into Spotify, this is a very different listening experience for you. But I remember you open your iPod, one click for music, another click for artists, another click on the artists, and you are looking at all your artists' favorite songs or their albums. And that was my go-to way to listen to music. Uh, so when Spotify started out, 
it was very, very much like that. I'm going to try and screen share here and uh, see if I can make my point a little more emphatically. So you should be looking at my Spotify home desktop here. So now let's try and get to artists and count the clicks. So right now we're on the home page. So we've got to go to our library. That's one click. Oh, look, we can't even click on artists from this page. We have to go to this little fucking book button where it says playlists and click artists. You'll notice next to that button, there is a button for audiobooks. This is the newest Spotify update that has replaced the artist button that would have until this point been one less click away. Um, so thanks, Spotify. I, I really was leaning and desperate to be able to listen to audiobooks on your platform. And I'm so glad you've subverted this one more click away so that I can listen to audiobooks. Anyway, now we can go listen to some Alexis on fire. Oh no, not quite yet. One more click. There we go. That was five clicks, six clicks. It's always an answer for you if I haven't made it clear oh, that I'm being terrible and stupid with that in mind as an option. Terribly stupid, stupidly terrible. I think this is stupidly terrible. Wow, <laughs> that's usually uh, reserved for the political disasters and tragedies. No, it's as as someone who works for a technology company, we are always trying to make things easiest and more efficient for our users and give them the best possible user experience. So that's reducing the number of clicks. That's making the things they want to find easier to find. And it feels manipulative and wrong to push people away from what they want. Whereas the typical business model in the past, at least for something like Spotify or with streaming, is continue to force feed the same stuff over and over again to your users because you know they're going to like it and sprinkle in the new stuff that allows them to branch out. But don't push them or make it more difficult to access the things that they enjoy because that is going to lower their experience and force them to reevaluate if they want to continue to come back to the platform. And it seems to me like this is impacting Spotify in a big way as just anecdotally what I have seen on Twitter and other social medias is Apple Music is starting to pick up ground on Spotify as a platform because Apple did something, right? Apple TV Plus uh, with the iPod, with the iPad, App Store, uh, all of their content in their ecosystem is continually catered. Like you even go to Apple Fitness, you like something, they're going to hammer it home over and over and over again. So because they know you enjoy it, they know you're going to come back and that's how they fully capture you. They want every piece of your life to be as tied into this thing that you like and that's associated with Apple. And then they can give you the extras. So you've come back over and over again for Apple Music or you've come back over and over again for Angry Birds or Ted Lasso, right? And then they can go, oh, have you tried the Apple Watch that improves your experience? Or you can listen to this better on your AirPods Pro or uh, this specific uh, store or this subscription is going to give you access to this layer of things or have you tried this, right? It's that build on the foundation, branch it off. The value comes in from having not only the users, because we've proven that necessarily users is not an indicator of future success, but it is the value and the experience that the users have that leads to greater revenue. Um, 
And so it feels like Spotify is just missing the mark here right now. It really is a unique business model in the world. I, I can't really compare anything else that I can think of quite to Apple. Uh, the really big push from Spotify like came when they decided they wanted the daily mixes, uh, the recommended, like all, all these playlists that are changing. They wanted your front page to be filled with that. Um, to go on artist page and see like that artist's page as Spotify has um, curated it as opposed to just that artist, all the songs you've liked by that artist, what you've curated. Uh, I, I'd just like some flexibility back. And it it does feel like what what's the one little thing that will get me to stop having the free Spotify account that I get under my dad's name and use my own money uh, to listen to music. The title would be the ideal choice. Apple Music does pay more than Spotify for its artists, though. All right. Um, Storts done. On to sports. We're going to kick off with basketball. The playoff race is interesting. The playoffs themselves will be more interesting, but do or die, one game, winner take all, anything can happen, um, is a truer, easier formula for entertainment and stakes. So, and I think that's piqued your interest. Yeah, uh, great point. I mean, we're getting very close to the NBA becoming that piece. Each game now with under 10 games left in the season is becoming that winner take all. But of course, uh, you are referring to March Madness here as we have finished the tournaments games that occur in the month of March. Final four and championship game actually happen in April, which is always funny to me. But a shocking turn of events because you look at last year's final four, Duke, UNC, Villanova, Kentucky, four of the bluest blue bloods. And you contrast that with this year. We've got teams out of left field, right? Your Florida Atlantic, the nine seed. It's unprecedented the run that they've been on uh, and, and really impressive stuff from this team. They have closed games really well, really efficiently. Miami, a resurgence. They're doing it on both the men's and the women's side. And San Diego State University, Malachi Flynn and that team were were uh, in tough. They missed out on a on a run due to the pandemic, and that team now this year is looking to make up for for that lost season and put a good name for the Mountain West Conference. And they've played tough and and had some big wins in their own right. Uh, and they took down Creighton with a, a last-second foul draw, and they're on to the Final Four as well. And then out of the four teams, the one that is, I guess you'd say, would be the most expected to be here, another Blue Blood, is UConn. But haven't experienced the same level of success on the men's side in, in quite a few years as they have on the women's side, where the women's team finally broke a streak of 17 straight Final Four appearances. They got knocked out earlier, which is a shocking upset, uh, mostly because Paige Becker is still out for the season with her torn ACL. Uh, but the men's team picking up the slack this year, and uh, they look to be the favorite at this point. They have just steamrolled teams. They beat Gonzaga by 30 max. Like They are just... 
they are on a roll um, and, and the Huskies definitely look to be the team to beat, but it is going to be some really, really fun final four games this weekend. I can't wait to watch. And then I had to give a shout out on the women's tie side to one Caitlin Clark. I, I think I saw videos the name? like yeah. they were comparing her to Steph Curry. Yeah. And, and she's been doing this since last year, but she has ridiculous range, but not only does she have a deep bag of shooting and driving techniques, but she is an all-around player. Puts up uh, a 40-point triple-double in a March Madness game, which, like, the first woman to ever do that on the women's side, I think first player ever on either men or the women's side, just ridiculous stuff from her. Because of her range, it opens up the floor. She makes really, really pretty on-point precise passes and rebounds the heck out of the ball as well. Uh, so just all facets of the game done really well. Had to shout out Caitlin Clark because she's going to be a problem uh, the rest of this tournament, rest of her college career, and then into the W. All right, moving on to the end then. Uh, we're, we've got some playoff race notes. The bottom of the races, what's catching my eye as mm-hmm. from the 60 to 70 game stretch, you, you felt all these teams still had the window. They could afford to lose two, three in a row, uh, lose to a close competitor where those games kind of count twice as much. But at this point, it feels like there have been a couple slips in the past week, maybe two weeks, and those seem to have, for the most part, decided in the East at least who's going to make the playoffs and given us some different races to focus on. So... Feel free to dispute this, but on behalf of the Sports Next Door pod, I am calling the playoff race as out in the East for the Wizards and the Pacers, not mathematical. Um, That shot not decided yet, but these teams, which were neck and neck, were sitting one game out for a long time, are now sitting three games back. And it seems to me the race kind of moves to being between the Raptors and the Hawks, who sit dead even right now. Uh, to fight for that eight versus nine spot, which will be the difference between one and two games in the play-in, which is huge. Maybe even a more desired spot, that six spot out of the play-in, which is a race right now between the Heat and the Nets, who also sit dead even with the Nets getting their most recent win over the Heat. Um, I think that from... I didn't write them all down, but the Heat and Nets both actually looked like they had an easier strength of schedule than the Raptors and Hawks, so I'm not looking at either of those teams to try and catch them. Though uh, they both end playing their last three or four games against that big three in the East, so I think the Raptors have a back-to-back against the Celtics and then finish against the Bucks, and the Hawks maybe go back-to-back against the 76ers and then play against the Celtics or something like that. So it'll be in where that race sits at the top and if the teams are thinking about resting their stars or there is some playing for pride or seeding is greatly going to impact those. A bit of an easier stretch at the first half. The Raptors are going to have back-to-backs against the Hornets. Uh, the Hawks playing teams like the Mavericks will get there. And I think like a Wizards or Pistons as well. So both these things really interesting. Um, the Bulls sitting in 10th, they seem to have locked it up against those aforementioned teams who are out. They've been hotter recently than um, maybe a few weeks back. You wonder if this team's gaining any of its stride. 
uh, they're able to spoil LeBron's return party. So just got to give a mention to the Chicago Bulls as well in there. Definitely a disappointing season for them. Um, but as we talked about the onset of the season, they weren't in the 538 to even make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. uh, so in some ways, defying expectations and just staying afloat is a bit of a victory. Yeah, Levine figuring it out for that team and Durosin's been that consistent, steady presence. Vucevic playing for his next contract. He's a free agent up at the end of this year. And then their role, guys. I mean, this was a thing with this Chicago team all year is we didn't expect them to play a ton of defense coming into the season, and they have. So then you've got guys like Green uh, and, and Derek Jones Jr. and Alex Caruso uh, and Patrick Williams that are digging in and embracing their role and, and leading to team success in this final stretch for Chicago. Uh, highlight of the night last night was Patrick Beverly scoring over LeBron James and and two smalling him. <laughs> just yeah. instant comedy there. But he's another guy who's just he's not afraid at the very least. He's maybe not your guy in the closing five, but at the same time, he does one very specific role and he's again not afraid. He's to to make a tough play or or take a big shot in a big moment. Yeah, one of the best players I thought the Timberwolves had come playoff time last year. There's just it, there's some guys that really seem to gel in this like eight to twelve seed range, mm -hmm. uh, where where they're not maybe next to like a a plus list superstar, and there isn't that obvious always deference, and they have some space to step up uh sometimes it just seems to go well for them in very certain situations and it seems to me this is the exact that exact ideal for beverly moving on to the west uh even closer where playoff play in contention uh still very much up for grabs i think we called the trailblazers out last week if not i'm doubling down on it uh, basically no way but I, the Jazz, like, just on the verge of are they going to fall out or not um, with the injuries, with where the team is at, it's pretty hard to imagine them going all in on a push. So want to call them out, but it's just one or two more games. And then the next spot is where it just gets kind of jaw-dropping. The Dallas Mavericks currently sitting out of the play-in tournament they have lost to some of the worst teams in the NBA this season. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets, one of the last place teams, they lose back to back. And they also lose to the road Golden State Warriors. Um, it, it feels like we're watching a train grinding to a halt and kind of falling apart as it does so. It, it's not a very strong and clear West. So calling them totally out um seems like premature but this has been such a disappointment for Mavericks fans coming off of last season and I don't I don't know if I like them to make the playoffs do you yeah it's a pretty atrocious uh final stretch here I think if they get into the play-in game it's hard to bet against Luca and Kyrie in a one game showdown against yeah. any of those other three teams listed. So they at least have that in their back pocket that they definitely have the best one or two players in that game. But at the same time, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Bron James, Anthony Davis, Brandon Ingram's been on fire as of late. 
and then even Anthony Edwards are all in that conversation. But the defense has just simply been atrocious for this Mavericks team. They can't stay in front of anyone. Uh, They must have just imagined that they were going to outscore everyone, but it it, it just hasn't looked good all the way around. And when Kyrie and Luke are playing together, it's been bad. And they don't really have a way out of it unless they're somehow convinced Kyrie that a sign-in trade is what's best for him. Because then you can recoup some of the assets. But the Knicks have their pick in this year's draft. So even if you fall into this like play-in, just outside of the play-in range, you finish maybe with the 11th record. If you make it into the play-in, then the Knicks, it's top 10 protected pick. So the Knicks land with it uh, from the Porzingis trade. It's... Yeah, not a great look for Dallas. And luckily for them, they're only two and a half games back of the six-seeded Warriors with, what, just under 10 games to go. It's not looking great that they can catch it, but just looking ahead at their remaining schedule here, like they don't really play anyone in their conference to pass them. So they're just going to have to hope from, for some losses. It is very much not in their hands anymore, the remaining of the season. It's hard to bet against Luka to do something very special here mm-hmm. in the last stretch of seven games. But, but if there was ever I, a season. I haven't liked it. Yeah. I, I mean, he picked up his 16th technical last game. So Which they be... rescinded. Oh, okay. Uh, still a question of if that'll happen in exactly. the future. Um, he's alluded to personal troubles. The mood has been different. He's played a ridiculous usage, and you know the health is running thin. Similar story for Kyrie. It, it really, like I said, I think the train grinding to a halt while falling apart metaphor holds. And we've touched on the Lakers fairly consistently over those last few weeks. LeBron returns, uh, so I don't think a whole lot. We he almost messes means. with the vibe of that team, right? Because he doesn't play defense to the same level right. that the rest of those guys do. Uh, but they, I mean, taking a look at at their their remaining schedule here, like Bulls is a big game on Wednesday. Timberwolves is a massive game. Uh, they've also got the Jazz Clippers, Suns, and Jazz as the final four games of their season. So couple of massive ones that uh lakers clippers game is going to be very fun on april 5th uh and then the two jazz games if the utah jazz want to be zombies uh then their last shot is to win those two to try and sneak in the back door yeah um one team i'm getting more and more excited about the timberwolves maybe you're going to tell me their strength of schedule is terrible and they're going to have to fight tooth and claw uh but their win over the Warriors last night uh, by two points. Um, just a really important game for them to win. They're able to go out and get it done with Carl Anthony Towns having returned to the lineup. More scoring, more depth, and Anthony Edwards has had to shoulder a big load in that absence. So you might see this team having taken one extra step forward from where town it was before towns got injured uh still a lot of chemistry questions and of course you'd rather be in the situation of having had towns and go bear play all 82 games together but uh the one like it's anecdotal but i've just seen a couple highlights of this team at the end of games playing lockdown perimeter defense mm-hmm. 
Um, it was against the Mavs a couple weeks ago. They were able to really pressure Kyrie and Luca, and and just take two of the most gifted offensive players and make them play hot potato. And then the steal they generated on the Warriors choosing not to foul. You see that college coaches and uh, causing the turnover from Draymond Green and the cold blooded three by Towns. It, it like maybe the Warriors especially vulnerable to that great perimeter defense. But when you have a guy like Gobert in the paint, you don't even need Towns in the game. Uh, if you really have a nice enough lead and just need to lock it down, the defense this team brings really excites me With along with all the star power they have. It's fascinating because you wouldn't describe uh, Towns or Gobert as quality perimeter defenders. And... Uh, they've just been on a really great role, and it's it's nice having a guy like Anthony Edwards who can lock in and play defense if he really wants to because he has the athletic tools to do so. Jaden McDaniels had one point in that Warriors game, but he's just so effective as a shutdown defender. Um, I think he got hurt in, in the game last night, so that would be a big loss if they can't run with him. But then you can go to guys like Kyle Anderson who plays solid defense, Nikhil Alexander-Walker has length, Torian Prince and McLaughlin come off and give the bench energy. And and the biggest move that they made, I think, was sending Russell out the door and bringing in Mike Conley, who just gets people in their spots, right? Again, we talked about Dollar Tree Chris Paul. He might actually be as good as Chris Paul right now, the way things are going. And he gets people in the right spots. He feeds Gobert in the spots he needs it. He feeds... Towns in the spots he needs it. And then if you need someone to go kind of outside of the box, you've got Anthony Edwards, who is as good a creator as anyone when he's got it rolling. So Minnesota, a little mini streak here to finish off the season. I don't hate their remaining schedule. Uh, they've got Pelicans, Spurs. Uh, that Pelicans game to end the year is going to be... Ooh, the, yeah. The, it is going to be a massive game for home court or like what and what seed you end up in that play in um they've got the kings tonight so they'll be in tough but trailblazers net spurs the three games before they play the last one of the season they should win all of those uh so really interesting to see how that stretch is going to shake out for them yes it feels like who can put together a streak and who can win against the teams you're one two games in contention with and uh look for the teams who do that and look for the teams who do the opposite as we sail in these last few weeks of the basketball season i don't know if you have anything else you want to get to before we move along just wanted to add a really really awesome game between the nuggets and the bucks on friday night mm -hmm. between two mvp candidates both putting up ridiculous stats and then we were in for supposedly a treat tonight, and uh, Embiid is going to miss the game with a, an injury. Perkins called him out for ducking this matchup against Jokic because Embiid definitely made Jokic look silly in their last meeting. I expect Nikola Jokic to go off tonight as well in this game. I'm sure he'll be extra motivated, and he won't have that big physical defender in his way uh in in Joel Embiid tonight so I expect another big Nuggets win as they go through their their East Coast escapade yeah the 76ers actually just one game ahead of the Cavs um somewhat contrary to the big three I've been coining all season long here a uh, bit of a tough run for them but you yeah I we've done the hard MVP. Stuff. yeah 
yeah. and we'll do more MVP talk. Uh, I don't have a lot of it this week. So let's move on for a brief stop in the combat corner. Not talking about a pay-per-view for ones, just want to quickly touch on the main event this past Saturday between Marlon Vera and Corey Sandhagen, uh, where Marlon Vera reminded us of some old conventional MMA wisdom. These guys who go on streaks, who pull out wins, who do it mostly against old aging fighters and look good and make you think maybe they can finish anyone in the world do usually lose when they go up against the truly elite top-level fighters. That's what the five rounds looked like. One of the very best in the division versus someone who's quite good in the division. Uh, Corey Sandhagen just did every the mixed martial arts so beautifully. And the, the striking pressure early, the constant different looks, switching stances, the movement side to side, the way he mixed in the grappling to clinch those first two rounds easily against a notorious slow starter. Uh, plenty of nice ground and pound and pressure in that those early two rounds grappling to just lay some damage, take some freshness off, decisively win the rounds. Uh, and then I, I had him winning all three rounds as one judge did. If you had to give Vera a round, it definitely was the third, so I didn't hate 49-46, uh, but for the most part, especially rounds four and five, it was just Sandhagen bamboozling, uh, getting hitting far less often than getting hit, using the grappling pressure he'd showed early uh, just as a bluff, as another card in the hand to make Vera think about something, to make the striking even more effective. Um... So I hope to God that Joel Ejeda never, ever, ever judges a fight in the UFC, especially not a main event, um, ever again, until he judges 20, 30, 40, 50 cards in a row uh, and gets the right decision as reviewed in hindsight, watching back the fight by the commission. I don't know why on earth someone who had never judged a card ever in their life, even if they have refereeing experience, would be given uh, the main event to judge. Um, but giving Vera rounds three, four, and five is one of the worst decisions I've seen in MMA in recent years, for sure. Might even be an all-time bad one. Um, you just, I really hope commissions take note of this shit and don't reward it and in fact punish it. So that's all I've got to say on that. We can move along to hockey now. Uh, we've also got some playoff notes and races to keep up on. In the East, we started with seven teams, I said, fighting for that wild card spot. I've got it down to four here. I'm, the Red Wings have been out for over a week. I'm calling the Capitals and the Senators out. Uh, both are the Islanders and Penguins continue to hold the wild card spots, with the Islanders sitting in the first one with 83 points in 74 games played the penguins sitting with 82 points and 73 games played so one point behind one game in hand penguins chance to take that spot if they can panthers two games out 73 games played so same as pittsburgh and three points behind them uh losing a couple of tough ones to the leafs recently especially not helping uh, I think they lost another one, and the Penguins able to beat the Capitals recently. 
And then I'm not calling the Sabres out just yet. They've got 72 games played and 76 points. I messed that up in the notes. Uh, so if they could win both their games, they'd be sitting at 80 points and then just three points behind the Islanders. So still eight games left in the season for most teams. That seems catchable to me and nothing changing at the top as it's been for months. I don't know if you have any East notes before we move on to the West. Carter did make up ground in the NHL just with the loser point for uh, overtime and shootout. Uh, but yeah, it feels like everything is pretty much set in in the East and even now in the West after last night. But um, yeah, not not much for me to add here. Yeah, we've seen the Islanders and Penguins front running for many weeks since before the trade deadline at this point. Uh, maybe a little weird to call it front running when you're firmly in the middle of the conference. Uh, nonetheless, admiral job at keeping afloat of the pressure. You say it's been decided in the West, but keep in mind that only the Bruins, the Hurricanes, and the Devils have clinched playoff spots in the NHL so far, mathematically speaking. No team in the West has clinched a playoff spot and is guaranteed to be going into the playoffs right now. The Vegas Golden Knights lead the whole conference with 98 points in 73 games played. The Kings, who have been on a nice run recently, sitting pretty close behind them at 96 points in the same numbers of games played. And then the Oilers sitting five points behind them at 91 points. So we've got a relative spacing in that division compared to what's going on in the Central. Oh, if I told you at the beginning of the season, the Minnesota Wild would be leading their division at this point. I don't know if you would have believed me, uh, but by the slimmest of margins, with 73 games played and 93 points, they sit one point ahead of the Avalanche. Um, Who really turned their season around, hey? Yes, yes. It's we, as with such a rough start, they have not been on our breath at all as playoff contenders but you make it in you sweep your first series or show dominance and uh, they'll go right back to the forefront of a lot of people's tongues mm -hmm. uh they sit tied with the stars in points holding one game in hand on them and then i feel pretty happy i picked colorado dallas and winnipeg at the beginning of the year as the three and i'll get three of them just Minnesota was the team that I didn't have in that in that top three in that division. So, yeah, yeah, their teams are able to hang on in hockey more than in other sports uh, after a result of good coaching and having had a good system in for years uh, that can linger and continue. Which the Wild, along with I'd say the Islanders and the Bruins, really big beneficiaries of. Yeah. Lots of teams to point to, really. Um, the West, this is the only spot where a team in wildcard spot is still in the division contention to get out of playing that top-seeded team in the first round. The Seattle Kraken sit with 88, I think it was. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep, 88 points and the same number of games played or one game in hand they on have the two Oilers. Games in hand on... Oh, sorry, two games in hand on the Jets and then a game in hand on the Oilers. Yeah, one game in hand, three points back of the Oilers. Uh so they're like they're 
looking like a pretty good lock for the playoffs. It's hard to imagine them falling out at this point. Um, and as I said, the only team with the opportunity really to significantly move up and make the most big change on their seeding. That's also really fascinating in the central, by the way, to see the race for first seed, because if you're any of these three teams, you do not want to be up against one of the other two in the first round. Uh, these are three teams that have been mainstays in the playoffs for the past five years and have a lot of experience under their belt. And you really hope to get a first round matchup against it'd likely be the crack in the way they're trailing the central division or excuse me, the Pacific division. Uh, as you said, the Jets sitting at 85 points, three points back in 74 games played. So the Flames sit four points behind them, uh, just two games out with the same number played. And the Nashville Predators, who I'd kind of written off at the trade deadline, have continued to stay in the picture. They've got two games in hand and sit at 80 points. So winning both of those would put them one point back of the Jets. I'm not ready to rule it out just yet and make that call. Uh, but behind them, nothing doing. So we'll see if the Predators or Flames can make it interesting for the Jets, who had a good run most of the season. And uh, being in wildcard is a bit of a disappointment for where they've been at for the most part, as I said. A lot of interesting things going on here, maybe more so than anywhere else in any of the four divisions we've touched on in two different sports leagues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, it, it just makes it all the more reason for me to tell Leafs fans to calm down. <laughs> I feel there, like you're talking to me. There's some buzz in the community here about the way that this final stretch has gone. 6-3-1 and one in their last 10 is nothing to slouch at, but the 500 hockey has people worried. Now, what I will say is Carolina loss wasn't great, but I think the Leafs were in that game. Um, they got to fix the problem of allowing goals right after they score. That's been something that's nagged at this team this season uh, that I'd like them to address. Other than that, you get Matt Murray against, against the Panthers uh, and you, you handle them and you get Joseph Wool against the Predators and you handle them, right? Those are kind of your two and three goalies and you beat two teams that are clawing for the final playoff spots in their respective conferences and you beat them and you look like you beat them rather handily so i think we can give this team a little bit of lenience while they continue to tinker with the lineup and find that final spots on the team and leafs fans calm down they're just playing towards tampa here so that's all you need to focus on nothing matters as it has since november as we've said since november Lots going on in Miami. We'll have our recap of the finals. Uh, not a whole ton to touch on. Shapovalov, Bianca Andreescu having a the best run she's had in a while. So all Canadian eyes just salivating to jump on that. Uh, hopefully it gives us something to talk about next Monday. This Week in Awesome, August Burns Red, Death Below, fantastic album. Can't wait to see them live. Sports Next Door signing out. Get to the station, there's this crazy sound. Hey man, this ain't no fishing town. Yeah, they're fishing, but that ain't all. They're all